Let's pray. What kind of love is this, Father? This wondrous love. We talk about it. We hear about it. We even pray about it. But what difference does it make? Take these quiet moments we have left in this opening moment of a new year. Speak to us, we pray, through Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm talking with somebody the other day, and he just asked me, yo, so what's your dream for this place? I said, you're talking about Pioneer and Andrews? Uh Uh-huh. Well, that's a great question. And here's what I began to say to him. You know, we've just come out of a semester. And in this semester, by and large, we've been focusing on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? A a daily baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the question can fairly be asked. Yo, I got it. The mechanics. We got it. You've you've, you've covered it. Got that little book, Steps to Personal Revival.info. I've downloaded the book. I've already read it multiple times. But the question can logically fairly be asked, but so what? What difference does it make? I mean, please. It's a good question. Then two things happened to me this last semester. Number one, I came across a verse, and I've been brooding on it ever since. i got to share it with you. Phenomenal verse. You'll see it in a minute. But at the same time, I heard a presentation by Dr. Lauren Hamill, who happens to be the CEO of Lakeland Health, Lakeland Health System here in southwestern Michigan. Lauren and Ann are members of this congregation. It's about a 15-minute, maybe 20-minute on the outside presentation. And as soon as I heard that, I said, that's it. That's the so what. That's the what difference does it make answer. So I got to share it with you. I want to take you first to the line. Then I'll tell you about what uh, Dr. Lauren shared. Open your Bible with me, please, to the grand epistle of Romans. Romans chapter 5. You didn't bring a Bible? Grab the pew Bible in front of you. Those of you watching online, grab a Bible near you. You got your device. Bible's on the device. That's fine by me. I'm going to be in the New International Version, Romans 5. There's a pew Bible in front of you, by the way. Those of you sitting in this uh, snowbound sanctuary, there's a pew Bible in front of you. Pull it out. I want to drop down to verse 5. Great stuff preceding verse 5. Marvelous material following verse 5, but it's verse 5. Verse 5 that we need to focus on today. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. In my Bible, it begins this way, and hope does not put us to shame. You can put it on the screen. Does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out. Does yours read it pretty much the same way? I mean, that's a line. Let me read that again. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Yeah, I'm looking at the screen, too, saying they probably have a little meltdown going on up in the uh, control room, and there's nothing. The computer did freeze at the beginning of first service, but we got it unfrozen. Well, the temperatures, guys, the temperatures. Computers freeze in these temperatures. You understand that? Anyway, so they're, they're, they're scrambling right now. 
So what did we just read? God has poured his poured out. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, here's what's so fascinating. I got to share this with you. Do you know that? Do you know what God's love is? Well, verse five, we just read it. So we don't have to make anything up. God's love is what the Holy Spirit pours out. Isn't that right? Didn't we just read that? The Holy Spirit pours out God's love. Now you go to just, just take a look for one split second at verse six. For you see, at just the right time, we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. So God's love was poured out through the Holy Spirit. God's love is poured out, obviously, through Christ who died for the ungodly. One more person of the Trinity dropped down to verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So there's a God called the Father. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. God's, all three of them, pour out their love. Where? into our hearts. And we're talking about pouring out. And by the way, this is a torrential downpour kind of, kind of word in the, in the Greek. And we get torrential downpours here in Michigan, do we not? Yes, we do. But do you know what? For the last 14 days, because it snowed every day since uh, Christmas Eve, and we're now two weeks. We are now experiencing a torrential downpour. You understand that, don't you? This is a torrential downpour. It's a lake effect torrential downpour. The water's being sucked up, frozen, and then frigid dropped on top of us, and we've got to shovel it. Washington Post, they're so surprised on the East Coast. Washington Post headline this week, historic bomb cyclone unleashes blizzard conditions from coastal Virginia to New England. Frigid air to follow. Guess what? It's here. Frigid air. What's going on? Torrential downpour. Paul, writing in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, he says, that's, that's what happens when, the, when, when God's love is poured out. It's a gully washer. It's, it's poured out upon us by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. The love of the Trinity poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's given to us. And by the way, please be very clear that, that Romans 5, 5 is extremely clear. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit in the mind, heart, and life of a believer. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that brings that gully washer outpouring. No spirit, no, no love of God. So that if you're, if you're taking just the mechanics of last semester, and you and I are every day asking, I've been telling God we need 100 pleaders, and I believe we have more than 100 pleaders who are pleading every day, Jesus, just fill me with your spirit. Jesus, please, just fill me with your spirit. Now you have more you can add to the prayer. Fill me with your spirit and bring the love of God into my heart. For that prayer, the answer is, thank you for asking, but you must have the spirit. No Holy Spirit. No daily asking to be filled with the spirit of Jesus. No love of God poured out in your life. You, you can't pour it out yourself. It has to be poured out by the Holy Spirit. Do you get that? For, the love, for God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Am I making something up? Now, that's why this line, this line is so dynamite. You have to have the Holy Spirit in order to experience the love of God. You cannot experience the love of God without the Holy Spirit. You can get a little, you get a little shadow of it, a faint glow of it, but you don't get the real thing. It only comes when the Holy Spirit steps into your life and says, I'm here. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Love time. That's what's going on here. Dwight L. Moody, you ever heard of him? Evangelist, 19th century, America and England. Dwight L. Moody. Chicago, 
Okay, that's where he started out. In fact, you have Moody Bible Institute in Chicago right now. It's a great, uh, it's a great organization. Moody started it. He preached in an old tabernacle there in Chicago. Sunday nights, when he was through preaching, Mr. Moody was never ordained. Mr. Moody, when he was through preaching, he would stand at the back and greet the people who had come off the streets of Chicago, whomever, he would greet them at the door. Two ladies started showing up. Every Sunday night, they started showing up and coming through that door where he's standing. And they would say, as they, they would take his hand as he said, well, ladies, so nice to have you tonight. They grabbed his hand and they said, Mr. Moody, we are praying for you. <laughs> the first time they said it to him, he said, you don't have to pray for me. Why don't you pray for somebody who really needs it? Didn't phase them at all. Next Sunday night, they came through. Same thing. He said, ladies, nice to have you again. Mr. Moody, we are praying for you. Which, <laughs> that happened. Night after night, Sunday after Sunday. Until finally, he says, all right, st- step over. Step, step here. When everybody's gone, I need to talk to you. He took them back to a little corner, which was his office in that old wooden tabernacle. He says, all right, ladies, what's, what's up with this? They said, you know what, Mr. Moody? We are praying for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. (sighs) What do you think? But the more they talked, the more Moody realized they had touched a sore, throbbing ache in his own life, and he didn't even know it. And that is what birthed the hunger in Dwight L. Moody for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then the tragic Chicago fire. That city was burnt, vast swaths of the city, burned to the ground by that fire. Moody now is so despairing. He's got to now raise money. He's in New York City. Some friends said, come over here and raise money over here. He has no heart for raising any money at all. In fact, I want to read Moody right here. My heart was not in the work of begging. Give me money for Chicago. I was crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. For four months, this wrestling went on to me. I was a miserable man. We've been praying for you. You'll be filled with the spirit. I was a miserable man. Finally, one day, and he very rarely talked about this, very rarely. Finally, one day, he's walking down the sidewalks of big New York City, even back in the 1800s. And suddenly, something begins to just move in on him. He doesn't know what's going on. He knows he just needs to get alone with God. And he knows a friend of his is living three or four blocks away. He hurries to his friend's house. The friend meets him at the door. Hey, Moody, come on. Let's let's have lunch together. No, I don't want to talk. Just give me. Do you have a room? Do you have an empty room? I need a room where I can be alone with God right now. Sure, I'll give you a room. Boom. And then Moody writes later. Ah, what a day. I cannot describe it. I can only say God revealed himself to me. And now here it comes. And I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. That's the point. Stop, stop, stop. I can't, I can't have, I can't handle anymore. What's the point, Dwight? Only the Holy Spirit can bring to you an experience of God's love. Now, I have some good news for you. Because I've tried to replicate this, say, well, God, maybe I have to have experience like this. No, 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 you don't have to have this experience. It'll come the way your heart is best to receive it. And in fact, it's to come every day anyway. It's not this one-time thing. It's every single day. Then there's no big emotion in it. Now it's just, God, I have to have it again today. God's love has been poured out into our hearts. How does it read? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's the deal. 
poured in. But here's the other half of the deal. What gets poured in must now be poured out. And that's the big deal. And that's the answer to the so what. Okay, so you spent a semester with this. So what now? What's your dream? What's your dream for Pioneer and Andrews University? Ah, it's the so what that follows the baptizing daily. What's the so what look like? Let me run, let me run some examples by you. Christian Wyman, in his wonderful book, marvelous, his, his, his thought-provoking book, My Bright Abyss, Meditation of a Modern Believer. Wyman, I remind you, in case you don't know, is a poet who suffers from a terminal disease. He came to know God in his 30s, and he seeks to introduce his fellow thinkers and artists, because he's very much an artist. And you read the book, you can feel the poetry. He wants them to meet the same God. So Wyman is now on the screen, Christian Wyman. In any true love, he observes, you're talking about a mother's for a child, a husband's for his wife, a friend's for a friend, there is an excess energy beyond the love of those two humans, there's an excess energy that always wants to be in motion. Moreover, it seems to move not simply from one person to another, but through them towards something else. That, this is why we can be so baffled and overwhelmed by such love. Oh, and I don't mean merely when we fall in love. In fact, I'm, not, I'm talking more of other, more durable relationships. This excess energy, it wants to be, it wants to be more than it is. It, it cries out inside of us to make it more than it is. And what it is crying out for, finally, is its essence and origin. It's crying out for God, where it came from. He's writing to seculars and atheists. You've ever experienced that? That's what it is. It's crying out for God. Now, keep reading. Love, which awakens our souls and to which we cling like the splendid moral creatures that we are, asks us to let it go, to let it be more than it is. If it is only us, if it's just you and me, no, it's not enough, not enough. You can't clutch it. You can't hold me this tight. Let me be more. Keep reading. To manage this highest form of loving does not mean that we will be showered with earthly delights or somehow be spared awful human suffering. And he should know, as some of you should as well. But for as long as we can live in the sacred space of receiving and releasing, receiving and releasing, and we can learn to speak and be love's fluency, then the greater love that is God brings a continuous and enlarging air into our existence. Oh, that's good. The continuing love of God brings, brings an existing enlarging air, more space. Why more space? More space to take more people in. That's why. That's why I gave you this love in the first place. It's not to hoard and clutch. It's for me to take more in to me through you. Ah, in the words of Spence Reese, whom Wyman quotes, put Spence Reese, another poet on the screen, all I know now is the more he loved me, the more I love the world. <laughs> Isn't that good? The more he loved me, the more I love the world. Why? Because what's being poured in must be poured out. It's the only reason it came in the first place. Mm. God's love. Oh, let's read it again. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Wow. Not to keep, not to clutch, but to give away. Philip Yancey, the award-winning Christian journalist, great writer. I think I may, have read, I may have read his last book. He's so discouraged about the publishing industry and where, where books are headed now, talking about analog books. 
Anyway, in his latest book called Vanishing Grace, Whatever Happened to the Good News, he tells about his wife, Janet, who is a hospice chaplain. A friend of hers named Susan becomes a hospice chaplain. And, and Philip suggests, uh, he says, you need to watch Susan, how she relates to her, to her patients. Because I believe she presents faith to post-Christians, especially at a time of crisis, in a model, exemplary sort of way. So I'm going to put Susan's, it's Susan's story on the screen right now, okay? Yancey is writing. When she enters a room, Susan assumes that Bidden or not, God is already present in that room, in the hospice. We love because he first loved us, she says, quoting John. And I picture God pouring his pitcher into me. Pitcher, pitcher. This is the metaphor we've just been at. I picture God pouring his pitcher into me so that I can pour it to others and then be replenished with God's love. God's love is poured out into our lives by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. That's what she's describing here. Now, keep going. I enter with a smile, feeling privileged to share the sacred ground in which someone clings to life. If I forget that God goes ahead of me and think instead that I am bringing God into the room, I can have an air of smugness. I feel, I feel pressure to say the right thing, to try to impress the, impress the patient and the staff. In short, I take myself too seriously. Great counsel for those who deal with human beings, Period. I take myself too seriously. I need the constant reminder that God precedes me in that room and that the person in the bed has a story I can learn from. God pours out his love into you so that you might pour out his love into others. You see how that works? That's the whole point of it. This enlarging air of God's love as, as Wyman puts it. You want to know God's dream? You want to know what God's dream for Pioneer and Andrews? <laughs> you just read it. This is God's dream. Romans 5, 5, that's his dream. That's his dream. That this little, this little campus, this little congregation would be known far and wide and even near as the most loving, the most loving campus you'll ever walk onto. They're the most loving people I've ever met. The staff, you can't believe them. The faculty, you can't believe them. The students, wow. This congregation, the friendliest congregation in town, wow. Nothing special about it. Can't be the pipes. There's something about the way these people love. That's God's dream. That's not my dream. That's God's dream. I pour it in, you pour it out. Right? Please. Like the old King James reads, can you put the King James on the screen for us? For the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So God, God Holy Spirit steps into your heart and your life right now, and he sheds it abroad, whoo, all through the nooks and crannies of your soul. But the whole point is it's shed abroad here so that it might be shed abroad out there. That's the point. What fills you here is to pour out to there. Wow. Saints and sinners like you and me. Saints and sinners like you and me. Are you a saint? Come on. Are you a saint? Don't look at me. Look at you. The American writer, Reynolds Price, defines saint this way. And by the way, Yancey, 
he, uh, he loves Reynolds Price. You're going to like this definition of a saint. By the way, there's a little handout in your worship bulletin. You take all these quotes home today. But let's put it on the screen. So Yancey asks the question, what is a saint? And Yancey goes on, I like Reynolds Price, Price's definition. Now here comes Price's definition. Someone who, however flawed, is that good? However flawed. Someone who leads us by example, almost never by words, to imagine the hardest thing of all, the seamless love of God for all creation, including ourselves. Wow. What is a saint? She just, she doesn't use a lot of words. She just lives it. She just lives it. Flawed as she is, flawed as he is, he just lives it. He just quietly goes about living the seamless love of God for all creation, including ourselves. There's a quiet security in that saint. I don't need the world to tell me how I'm doing. I don't need my friend's evaluation or acceptance. I need only the love of God poured out in my heart through the Holy Spirit has been given to me. That's all I need. Flawed though I am. Flawed though I am. Not with words, but with example. Wow. I got a book from a friend for Christmas. Masterfully written biography of Eric Liddell. He's the Chariots of Fire hero. You remember this? You remember Chariots of Fire? Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Eric Liddell, the Scotman. Fly like the wind. God smiles on me when I run fast. That's the Eric Liddell. And you remember the, the uh, Paris Olympics, 1924. What he had spent his life training for, so to speak, is now going to be on Sunday. You remember that? And he says, I can't run on Sunday. I just can't. I'm sorry. I, I forfeit. I forfeit. I withdraw. So somebody else won that race. But he said, there's another race. It's not what you train for. It's not what you're prepared for, but it's the 400 meter. Why don't you try it? He ran the 400 meter and won a gold at the Paris Olympics. He could have quit then and turned to professional racing because it's mon there's money in professional racing. But he doesn't. He chooses to become a missionary to China. He goes to China, meets an English girl there. They get married, have three little girls. World War II breaks out. My homeland is kind of taking over China. And so there's a prison and internment camp to which Eric Liddell is banished. In that camp, he eventually dies of brain tumor. Duncan Hamilton, sports writer, skillfully. Boy, you'll never read a... I don't care what kind of biography. You'll never read one more, more poignant than this. He starts his book at the internment camp. So that's why I know what's going to happen here. Because that's, that's where I am at the book, beginning of the book. I want to put uh, Hamilton's words on the screen. He's describing. You, you, you want to see a real-life saint, okay? Check this out. He said, oh, come on. You can't be a real saint today. Watch this. On the screen for you. Amid the myriad moral dilemmas in Wei Xin. This is a little town where the internment camp was. Liddell's forbearance was remarkable. Keep reading. No one could ever recall a single act of envy, pettiness, hubris, or pride, or self-aggrandizement from him. He badmouthed nobody. He didn't bicker. He lived daily by the most unselfish credo, which was to help others practically and emotionally. Liddell became the camp's conscience without ever being pious, sanctimonious, or judgmental. He forced his religion on no one. He didn't expect others to share his beliefs let alone live up to them. You came away from his meetings as if you'd, you'd been given a dose of goodness, said a member of the camp congregation. 
Everyone regarded him as a friend, said another, giving voice to that unanimous verdict. The seamless love of God for all creation, including ourselves. Eric Liddell just lived it. He just lived it. Not with words, but with a life. And everybody saw it. They saw it. That's God's dream. God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. That's his dream. Because what's poured in must get poured out. That's the dream. What gets poured in must get poured out. That's how you change the world. What was that? Everyone regarded him as a friend. Friendliest, Friendliest campus in Michigan. Friendliest campus. Man, you can't believe these people. Friendliest congregation I've ever been in. Look at them. It's just love. You have to just see it. Just sense it. That's the dream. That's the dream. For God's, for the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Shed abroad inside so that it might be shed abroad outside. That's it. So, let's draw this to a close. So what? So what do I do? Because I want this. Simple, simple, simple. Remember, just memorize these two steps. You got it. Simple, simple, simple. Step number one, ask to be filled. That's number one. Ask to be filled. In the morning, preferably. Every morning, ask to be filled. Fill me today. Each day, God, just fill me with the Spirit of Jesus. And when the Spirit comes in, love will be poured out. Oh, I love this. Steps to Christ. Put it on the screen. Steps to Christ. Page 94. Our Heavenly Father waits to bestow upon us the fullness of His blessing. It is our privilege to drink largely at the fountain of boundless love. Every day. Fill me. You say, right. I mean, how do I get the love of God? How can I get God's love in my mind? Well, don't worry about getting it in your mind, but you can experience God's love. Or what does Paul say? You just go to the cross. That's where God demonstrates His love for us, at Calvary. So here's what I'm suggesting. Just picture the cross in your mind. I have a place in... I've got to tell you, this is embarrassing, but I have bookshelves in my study at home where I do all my writing and study. And I turn the lights out. And a particular bookshelf makes a cross. Kind of elementary, I know. But it makes a cross. And I look at that cross. And to me, I focus on that cross. I'm kneeling at the cross. I'm kneeling at the foot of the cross. And I'm saying, God, you've got to fill me. Fill me. Fill me with the love that was unleashed, that was poured out at Calvary, that the Holy Spirit now brings. I don't need to feel anything because life is not about feeling. Life is about fact. Life is about acting on what you know. The feelings will come later. I don't have to feel anything. I just say, fill me up today. It's simple. Two steps. Step number one, ask to be filled. Step number two, ask to be unfilled. That's it. Ask to be filled, step number one. Step number two, ask to be unfilled. What you put into me, what you poured into me today, please pour out of me. You say, Dwight, how, how am I going to do this? Don't worry about it. You'll do it. In fact, you could do this. You say, God, there's somebody I'm going to meet today. In fact, I'm telling you, God, I'm open for you to do this. There's somebody that you're going to bring into my life today. It might be in the cafeteria. It might be across campus. It might be filling up with gas. I'm going to meet somebody, maybe at Walmart. I'm going to meet somebody today who needs your love. I want you to alert me when that person is there. That's all I'm asking. Show me. I don't have to worry about what to say. I'll figure that out. Just show me. You say, all right, I can't think of anybody. Think of your last 72 hours. No kidding. Right now, your last 72 hours, think of all the people that you have met somewhere along the way. 
Think of those people. Just think of those people. In the last 72 hours, unless you are a monk, you have met people in 72 hours. One of those surely was a candidate for your cheerful, friendly, gracious, unselfish way. Yeah, come on. They're there. I, 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 I said this to myself and said, oh, my And I thought of somebody. I said, oh, man, I messed up there. I really did. Look, you'll think of stuff. You'll think of people you've messed up with. Don't worry about it. That's just the devil saying, see, you don't even want to try this because you're, you're such a failure. Forget it. Lead me to somebody today, dear God. I ask first that you fill me, and then I ask that you unfill me. Unfill me today. Unfill me wherever I go. Just unfill me. That's it. And if you'll do that, you will bring your heart to life. The title of today's homily. You will bring your heart to life. Where did you get that title, Dwight? I'll tell you how I got it. Lauren Hamill, CEO of Lakeland Health. Told you about him just a few moments ago. Board of Elders invited him in. Fifteen minutes. Tell us about Lakeland Health. Tell us about what you're doing there. I was, I was so amazed. He says, you know what? We felt that we needed to change the culture of this institution. Apparently, institution culture, institutional cultures can be changed. Because I'll tell you my experience in a minute. He said, we need, something, we, need, we need something to remind us that it's not just same old, same old, same old. Get them well, send them home. Get them well, send them home. Get them well, send them home. There's something else. And his senior leadership team, they came up with a brilliant marketing logo, a slogan, a line. And they have obviously drilled it into every employee and staff member in that large health system. Because when I go into Lakeland, and I've gone into Lakeland for many, many years, when I go into Lakeland, I'm telling you what, I can, I'll tell you, I don't think there is a friendlier, more gracious hospital anywhere. The courtesy, the warmth, like you really care. They chose one little marketing slogan, and they've been reminding themselves of it day after day after day. And here's the slogan. Bring your heart to work. Brilliant. Bring your heart to work. What's that mean? You got a heart? You got love in that heart? Bring your heart to work. People have to feel the love to believe the love. They got to feel it. It's not a slogan on a wall. It's a life in a human being. Bring your heart to work. Bring your heart to work. Bring your heart to class. If you're a professor, bring your heart to class. You're a student. Bring your heart to your dormitory room. Just bring it there. You're a staff member. Bring your heart to that computer screen every day when you sit down. Somebody today will need your heart to know that God loves them. Well, the hospital is not saying we've got to get the love of God out. 
That's our mission. But if you can turn a large hospital around, my dream is you can turn a large congregation around. This becomes a loving place where sinners of all stripes and all colors gather and sense they are loved, accepted, and forgiven here. This is just, I don't know, these people, they're crazy. Tertullian, the ancient church father, described how the pagans would look at the Christians, and he wished that the pagans would say, oh, how they love. See how they love one another. That's God's dream. See how these people love each other. Look at the way the guy teaches. Look at the attention he gives at the end of his class. Look at that. Look at that. You didn't have to do that. You could have just hurried on. You're important. Look at that. Look at the way the guy pastors. It's just like he lives for people. What's up with that? Look at the way the elders elder. Look at the way the Sabbath school teachers Sabbath school. <laughs> Bring your heart to life. Not to church. Not to work. To life. Wherever you go to live, every day, just take your heart with you. May it be filled with the Holy Spirit every beginning, every new day, filled, poured out with the love of God, and then you just let God pour it out through you. That's it. You want to know my dream? Glad you asked. That's it. That's it. To become a people, a Jesus people, who are known for the love of God that is poured out wherever they go. Amen. Amen.